put any label on it you want. You know, you can call yourself a business development manager, you can call yourself a relationship manager, you can call yourself a chief fun officer, which apparently is a role that I saw somebody in. But we're all in sales. So I've always been quite passionate about that and therefore creating that industry standard and kind of championing the fact that it's a really fundamental kind of aspect is what I'm keen to do. Hello and welcome to UmiCast, a podcast about business and entrepreneurship. At UMI, we make it easier for businesses to do more and go further by finding and packaging the best information, expertise and finance so you can make better business decisions more quickly. This conversation is with Jessica Williams, founder, non-executive director and mentor to name just a few of her roles in business. But in addition to that, she passionately believes in businesses being a force for good and demonstrates that through how she leads her own business, her many fundraising activities, and most recently, her commitment to secure B Corp certification. Jessica set up Just Williams to lead a way in setting a new standard for the sales profession, but she's not stopping there. So today um, I'm lucky enough to be joined by uh, Jessica Williams. Are we going with Jess or Jessica? Which would you prefer? Jessica, we'll go Jessica. Jessica, we're, we're going proper. Uh, so yes, I'm joined by uh, Jessica Williams, founder and managing director of Just Williams, um, which operates in the sales and consultancy world. And Jess will tell us more, uh, Jessica, sorry, will tell us more <laughs> shortly. Um, and in addition to fa- being founder and managing director of Just Williams, um, she went on to expand the business into the Just Williams Sales Academy back in, uh, I think about 2015, was it? Uh, 2021 was the Just oh. Williams Sales Academy launch. Oh, so Just Williams was 2015. Was 2015 and Just Williams Sales Academy came in 20, 2021. Well, we'll hear a wee bit more about what created that and caused that, I guess, in a little while. But we, before we get into that and before we kind of get into present day, um, would love to hear a little bit about the story, really, and what led you to start Just Williams in the first place. So, gosh, it was, we're, we're kind of eight this year, uh, Just Williams, and I previously had a life uh, in finance, so let's not judge me for that, um, <laughs> uh, in banking, where I was there for 11 years, and left there um, after a real change in the in the market, and, and I think... We went through, obviously, you know, the the 2008 crisis and there was a real lack of um, people based lending. It was all around sector and it was, you know, and I fundamentally believe you'll always have a good performing business in an otherwise poor performing sector because it's about the people. It's always about the people. And, you know, understandably, because of the crash, it was carte blanche if you're in that sector we don't support you and I developed really strong relationships with people and kind of realized that that wasn't really a model that I necessarily supported so decided after 11 years in finance it was uh, time to uh, to change um, and I was I was really looking after uh, what was classed then as CSR so corporate social responsibility for the north uh, of England within my remit for the bank and uh, entrepreneurs forum was one of our uh, corporate partners so I was familiar with the organisation, kind of loved what they did. And here's the thing, 
So when I was 14, I set myself a lofty goal of being a chief exec by the time I was 30. Wow. I didn't know of what. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know. Which, so it was totally lofty. It was kind of one of those bizarre things. Both my parents, my parents are divorced, but both of them run their own businesses. So it's probably, and my grandparents run their businesses, their own, ran their own business. So it, it, maybe it's in the genes, I'm not sure. Um, but in essence, um, I, I was kind of really conscious of this, even though I was 14 and th- there was no sector associated with it. There was th- there was no detail. It was just, right, I'm going to be a chief exec. And so when I when I left the bank that I'd been at for 11 years since I was 16, um, I kind of thought, right, I, you know, I need to understand this world. So I went to take a job for the Entrepreneurs Forum and loved it and kind of loved being surrounded by, you know, so different to that corporate world, you know? You couldn't get further away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A bunch of entrepreneurs who don't follow the rules, who didn't even wear ties, which I couldn't <laughs> kind of comprehend at that time. Um, and so my remit within the Entrepreneurs Forum was they'd lost funding, so it was really to look at the st- financial stability of it and, and to grow it. Halfway through that, I did a, a, an MBA, an executive MBA, and specialised in sales psychology. Uh, and then, you know, really kind of took that to the next level and decided to to set up Just Williams after really seeing that there was a, a gap in the market in the sales space. Uh, so that's how Just Williams kind of came to be in 2015. Wow. What a, what a journey and a fast-paced journey since you joined a bank at 16. And almost, like you say, a complete 180 in terms of style of business, sector of business. But one of the things I'm interested in exploring a little bit more there is um, why the MBA in sales psychology? So what what took you from, you know, because if we if we think about all those dreadful um, stereotypes around sales and so on and so forth, you're in the banking world, which, OK, yeah, it's pretty cut and thrust sometimes, but you're leading on CSR and then you end up in sales. How, how on earth did that happen? For that exact reason, Nikki, right. that there, you know, I set up Just Williams and our ethos has always been exactly the same. It's to professionalise the sales industry. Is I've always loved dealing with people. Uh, sit me in front of a laptop all day and I'll start rocking. But for me, it's always about people, which is one of the reasons that I left the banking world and, and, and joined a, a different world, really. And for me, it was about creating an industry standard and that is what we're still trying to do uh, and what we will maintain to do. And the legacy of Just Williams will be, you know, forever more, I hope. And, and for me, it was because I left school at 16, uh, I was a bit of a rebel. Um, so I went to a f- fabulous private school, but then didn't really make it much further. Um, we, we won't. We don't need to go into the detail of that now. <laughs> we'll stay away uh, from, we'll that, stay away from that subject. Um, but in essence, you know, I, I just dealt with people my whole career, whatever I was doing. And I really understood the importance of, of developing relationships with people and, and actually how people are at the centre and the heart of everything. Uh, it doesn't matter what sector you're in or what you do, really. It's, it's all about people. And that was where I really, I suppose, forged my craft, people, mm-hmm. um, relationships. And, um, you know, so for me, it was kind of saying, right, okay, there is no qualification to get into sales, which mm-hmm. in my mind is still a real fundamental issue, um, which is perhaps why it has still got a negative reputation, why perhaps we don't always get a seat at the board table, uh, which is perhaps why, unfortunately, unlike our counterparts in the US and in Europe, you know, salespeople are highly recognised and highly remunerated in, in, in other markets. In the UK, it's not that, it's not the way. So for me, I had to create my own industry standard, which mm-hmm. is why I chose to do the MBA, because I, I didn't have, you know, I had loads of banking qualifications mm-hmm. um, and I'd risen quite quickly in the banking arena. Um, 
and you know I'd left school as I say at 16 and and, and kind of you know uh, my parents were desperate for me to become a, a, a lawyer um, so, <laughs> which is I mean it's ironic because I'm really good at arguing apparently um, but um, maybe I, we'll, we'll, we'll try not to make it argumentative <laughs> no, today no. but for me it was about creating that standard and, and I needed to start my career in sales which is what I wanted to officially do although I believe we're all in sales um, is with that kind of title if I'm honest with you and over an MBA of kind of having that right okay um I've proved that and and because I was doing I was setting up my business halfway through doing my MBA I used the MBA modules as to develop my marketing plan to look at my finance to you know pull the whole business plan together um so for me the MBA created my own standard Mm -hmm. I'm not saying everyone should have an MBA by the way in sales but for me it created my own standard and allowed me to research the market in, in a small way of people's perception of sales and where in essence an opportunity lay for my business interesting and I, I want to come back and explore um a little more about you know some of those big decisions or best decisions that you made at an early stage but before we do that um you talked there about you know sales qualifications and and how people are recognized in in uh, overseas markets mm. uh, europe etc etc but you know, where do you stand on the age-old question of are salespeople born or can you make them? It's, I mean, it's it's a really interesting one, and I suppose you could ask the same about entrepreneurs, can't you? Are they born or are they? You know, it's that yeah. nature nurture yeah. argument. Um, I do believe that you can you can you can make a salesperson. I really do. You know, I believe you can train somebody. It is about attitude. Um, a huge part of it's about attitude and 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 training for skill. We hire and we train for skill, you know, massive. We have for attitude and character and we train for skill. So I do believe that, you know, you can train somebody to be um, in from a sales perspective. Um, for me, relationships is really, really important. Being inquisitive is really important. I think there's a perception that you have to be um, an extrovert to be in sales. I don't believe that to be the case. Uh, I think you will find the majority of salespeople are extroverts, but you also have in special certain industries some sensational salespeople who are introverts. It depends on the market that you that you operate in, and um, you know sales over the last few years has undergone the most significant change mm. it ever has, and therefore I think that the skill set of salespeople is having to widen. And I think a lot of a lot of businesses are relying on more people that don't have the title of sales being in sales. So, I believe you know in the future that we won't have a choice of whether we're in sales. It's just expected of us, and therefore we're all going to have to learn a whole new potential skill set. Yeah, there is that. I, I completely kind of understand where you're coming from and agree. There's that there's that thing in life where you're constantly selling. You know, whether it's it's to colleagues, whether it's to people outside of your business, whether it's to friends, the kids even to try and persuade them to do something. Absolutely. You know, it's it's easy to uh, not recognize all of those small interactions that are actually just like sales interactions. Um, it's we all uh, do it. It's just we use a different phrase or a label for it. Yeah. Um, you know, but in essence, at the heart of it, we are selling, like you say, to the kids to get them out the door on time. You know, all those little things that it, it, every interaction is is a really whether you call it brand ambassador or whatever term you use it. In essence, it's sales. And and we'll probably you know be we'll probably come back to this, but um, you're talking there about what's changed in the sales world, and I really want to think about what it might look like in the future. But uh, hopefully we can sort of probe a little bit more on what um, 
what's different about sales in, to, in today's world and there's something about you know not manipulating people and an authenticity in that sales and an honesty mm. in that sales approach that I think is much more prevalent today than Absolutely. perhaps it was many years ago but we'll, we'll come on to that perhaps so going if I take you back to kind of MBA and and so on what at that stage in setting up the business in those early state in mm -hmm. those early uh, stages of setting up the business what were the big decisions and best decisions that you made um, I mean, I, I, I've always, as I say, I've never had the title sales. So just going back a little bit, I've never had the title sales, but um, I've always been in sales because I've always um, had a team to manage and in essence, I've always had customers to manage, so therefore I'm in sales. And the um, the organisation I was part of did a lot of research in regards to the barriers to business growth and it was around access to finance. But the secondary one that was reoccurring quarter after quarter after quarter of this report was access to, um, sorry, retaining um, and hiring salespeople. And so, you know, I knew there was an issue there. I knew there was kind of, you know, a real issue there. And so for me, it was kind of, how do you take, and this is one of the biggest learnings that I had, was when I when I developed it, it was just me, as most people do in, in my bedroom, you know, kind of going, right, where do I go from here? Um, I'd been brought, not brought up, but certainly the last few years of my career at the bank, we'd had mentors and the Entrepreneurs Forum are massive in mentors. Mm -hmm. So straight away, I got a mentor. Um, right. And that's something that I think I've, I've maintained throughout. Um, I have multiple now in different areas of my businesses, in different areas of my life. I'm a massive believer in, you know, you can never put your ego ahead of anything else. It's, life is to learn. You know, you've got to constantly learn. And I wish I'd asked more questions because I think I thought I should know everything, as I think every every <laughs> everybody does, really. I don't think yeah. that's just down to business owners. And I should have asked more. Um, I didn't because I was, I wouldn't say I was too proud, but I thought I should know these things, but hell, I never set up my own business, so why would I? Um, but getting a mentor was really, really important to me and something I really, 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 you know, uh, valued. The other thing was um, I actually joined a program called NatWest Accelerator, well, it was NatWest Accelerator, which was Entrepreneurial Spark at the time. And therefore, again, it's, I suppose, the same ethos of surrounding yourself with people because the right people, like-minded people, is when you set up a business, and it doesn't matter what stage you're at, or this is regardless of sector or turnover or anything of those, when it's just you, um, it's really lonely and it's really hard. And, and you expect that you, sh you kind of put a lot of pressure on yourself that you should know everything, you should know all the answers. And, you know, you've never done this before, right? So I'm, I used to work for a corporate, so I had departments for everything, you know, mm -hmm. and suddenly you're wearing all these hats going, my God, where, who, you know, HR, no, that's you. Finance, no, that's you. Um, invoice, no, that's you. You know, sales, no, marketing, no, that's all you. Um, and you kind of, you can almost get overwhelmed by information. So you start researching things and then you're like, oh God, I should know so much. So joining a program like that, I got another mentor, um, but I also worked on my business rather than in it. And I think that's a bit of a cliche term that's overused, but it's really mm -hmm. important is when you are, you know, by yourself and you first set up, you are running at a million miles an hour. You don't take any, you don't take any holidays. You work weekends. You are busy and busy and busy and probably barely making ends meet for a lot of people when they first start. And you can't see the wood for the trees. Whereas actually at an early stage, if you can step back and work on your business and work with someone that will do that, that was immensely helpful to me and out of the back of that what it allowed me to do because I kind of joined that probably about nine months into starting my business right. it allowed me to then 
uh, create a scalable version of my business. So I productize a service-based offering. And that for me was a game changer um, because I was I was given the time to work on it rather than in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked with a, a peer group of other business owners um, and that was so valuable. You know, we kind of, we were all in different sectors, but we met up once a week and we had subjects that we had to discuss or a project that we had to do together that would help our own businesses. And every week we would sit down and say, God, what's, what's going on with you this week? And we would all have different challenges, but we learned from each other. Um, and, you know, it, lots of businesses set up that are service-based mm-hmm. and that's great. And, you know, but it's a really difficult challenge to scale it. And I called my business Just Williams, which was a great idea at the time. Um, and it's not because I'm egotistical, it's because my family's legacy and I'm kind of couldn't create that from, from my perspective. And um, the story of Just William uh, about a naughty schoolboy is, you know, is, is my brother's legacy. But by doing that, by calling the business after me, it does become about that owner manager. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I'm still battling with. So being able to scale a service-based business that's named after you is even more challenging. So how do you grow it when it's just you? And I created a range of different products that allowed us to go from me to 17 staff in two years. So um, that allowed me to do that. I learned a lot of lessons sometimes the hard way from doing that and I scaled too quickly, but that's, that's another story. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, we all learn lessons, don't we, all the time. And and uh, sometimes uh, they're good ones and they're happy ones and sometimes they're really uncomfortable <laughs> or even, dare I say, painful. Um, and I don't know any business uh, owners, uh, managers, leaders that I speak to that won't say, you know, that they've been through that yeah. uh, that situation roller curve, <laughs> yeah. roller coaster, indeed. Um, just going back to, uh, so it, it sounds like finding the right mentor mm-hmm. was a, a real tipping point and, yeah. a, and a great decision and a, and a great um, a great thing to do. So for so for people who are listening that um, have perhaps heard this notion of mentor, you know, yeah. kicked around. But they might be sitting thinking, well, how do I find one? How much do I have to pay them? What what does it mean? Do I meet them every day? You know, what, what just explain to people who might be listening how you would go about okay. if you weren't in one of those programs, finding a, a, yeah. the right kind of mentor and what that relationship usually looks like. It is. It's become a bit of a lofty term, hasn't it? Mentor, mm. and I think you know it almost sounds a bit too fluffy, really. And it and it's absolutely not. And and I don't think there is a one size fits all. I think everybody's mentor relationship and the makeup of that, what that looks like, is different. But for me, um, I wanted a mentor for my business. Now I want m- mentors for specific areas. So it's changed a little bit in terms of the way that I right. use mentors. Okay. Um, and what I what I want from them now. Um, we've got a non-exec so that's a paid role a mentor is often a voluntary role um, and my first mentor was somebody that I went to um, and kind of said I'm thinking about setting up my business I don't really know what I'm doing um, you've got expertise in I think they had they did have expertise in my area so my sector um, would you help me and mm-hmm. I think you know that there was no financial exchange um, I met them once a month and we kind of I had a clear idea of what I wanted to get from the relationship in terms of you know I was very clear in terms of this is where I want my business to go I'm not quite sure how to get there um, can you help me with that and I think we are as a as a race you know there we, we, we've got 
this desire to help people I think majority of people have and I now mentor a lot of people on a mm -hmm. voluntary basis you know I believe in that kind of paying it forward etc um and so for me it was just kind of having that frank conversation um with somebody who said you know don't be wrong I, I, I met somebody else and said would you mentor me and they said sorry I haven't got the time so it's not always you know not everyone always say yes but I think it's finding somebody that you 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 for me it was about I, I wanted to respect that person I wanted to know that they'd been there and done what I was trying to do um, that they could potentially open doors for me, but that's not why I went there. Mm -hmm. But they would hold me to account. And for me, that was really important because I'd worked in a big corporate and then uh, working for myself, you think that you should be able to hold yourself account and you probably should. This is probably probably opening up a little bit too much here. <laughs> but for me, I needed somebody to check in and go, yeah. Jessica, have you done that? Have you done that? Have you done that? And actually, what, what do I do? And I think you've got to feel, you've really got to trust that person um, and again learning curve for me I probably didn't open up enough because I kind of felt like I should know some of the stuff yeah. um but you know a, a great place to start is who are you, who are the people that you know you're influenced by who are the people that you know you look up to in business who are the people that you kind of look that are in your network that you go wow I'd love them to ask them you know I'm a big believer in shy bands get now and you know I'm from Yorkshire after all but it, it ask people to, to mentor but and there is a there is loads of organizations that will support you in doing that. Um, and as I say, my relationship with mentors has changed over the years. I now have mentors specifically for s certain things rather than overall. Wow, great. And um, in the same vein, the mentoring uh, clearly worked out really well and indeed does play a big part in um, how you drive the business forward and how you get in that external kind of thinking and, and sort and challenge and accountability. But um, what what didn't go so well? So what were the um, challenges that you encountered that you found really difficult to mm. kind of smash through in terms of barriers? Um, uh, we, we, we grew too quickly as an organisation. That was probably, you know, one of the biggest, um, you know, challenges that, that... I bet people are sitting thinking, can you grow too quickly? <laughs> Just tell us a little bit more about what that means. Um, from from kind of it being just me and a consultancy basis to productizing it and creating a model um, which could be replicated from a sales outsourcing perspective, which is what we were doing at the time. We've since diversified into sales and marketing, but we were just doing sales. We um, we there was clearly a massive demand for what we were doing. Um, our contract terms were too short. Uh, our fees were too were, were not high enough, and therefore we we grew very very quickly. With that growth, um, created a lot of staffing challenges. Um, yeah. It created a lot of uh, retention challenges in our client base and expectations. We weren't delivering necessarily in line with expectations. Our contract terms were too short. As I say, we were we weren't operating in the right market as well. And so, as I say, you know, from growing from that to that, we then shrank down um, almost by half. You know, in the space of a few of a few uh, months, and. God, that was really painful. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, and I'm quite open about it. I would pre I think I pretty much had a breakdown at that point because managing, I, I love what I do. You know, I love dealing with people and I love creating connections and I love helping businesses grow, but I'm a really bad manager. <laughs> and I'm a good leader, I think. I hope I'm a good leader. Mm -hmm. I'm told I'm a good leader, but I'm a really bad manager. And I just, I just, I'm just bad at it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I am, and I know I should. That's like a bit, bit, big admission, but I am. I'm a crap manager. And what I didn't realise, which I've now obviously rectified, is that there's people much better at that than me. And now I'm really th fortunate to have 
my right hand woman beside me who who was absolutely brilliant at that so i wish i'd brought in i wish i'd understand my weaknesses more and not tried to be good at everything and not tried to to do everything um or realize that i can't do, be everything you know um and so that was a really painful experience you know that whole kind of you know we grew too quickly necessarily without the without necess- the the infrastructure um we took on too many clients without having the processes to deal with them um and so yes it is possible to grow too quickly and you know thankfully we kind of came back from that and repositioned ourselves and 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 you know we're uh, once again growing again but i think it's understanding your own weaknesses which is really really important um and and yeah, and in the sales game, it's pretty tough because you're only as good as your last performance. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a huge range of KPIs, key performance indicates that we have to deliver on a frequent basis. And it's making sure that we've got the right staff to deliver those and hiring them and training them. And, and hiring still maintain, you know, is still a, a real challenge, I think, for every organisation. But we, we learn the hard way. Interesting. And there's, you know, you've been uh, very open and, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think listeners will be, will really welcome the honesty because, you know, too many times I think everybody raves about how great it is to run your own show and, you know, there's all the good stories and so on and so forth. But actually, quite often, the thing that makes a real difference to you when you're in that position and you're either starting a business or you're trying to figure out how to push it onto the next step is that honest view, is understanding where the, you know, the bear traps are and so on and so forth. And people will be honest with you about that are really invaluable, aren't they? And that you can, you can share those challenges or problems with, but there's equally no rule book to start in or even running a business. Um, And uh, I don't know about you, but from a point of view of growing a business, there are very, very few that grow in a linear manner. You know, it it is like one of those uh, really bad kind of diagrams which you, you, you sort of <laughs> yeah, up, you're down you're left you're right you know one minute you might be standing still so I think you know you you describe it as a step backward but maybe it was just a period mm. of you know consolidation thinking about how next to push on and you've mm. done that in such an assertive way in such a powerful way so I, moving on to to what that means for your customers in your markets and talking a little bit about that space of sales that you've come to own. And indeed, I think in a really bullish manner, you're trying to improve mm. and um, professionalize, as mm. you say. What's the, um, what do you find is the most common mistake that businesses make with reference to sales? Yeah, yeah great question, a million dollar question, really. Um, I think uh, from a sales perspective, people think that they offer their product or services relevant to the whole market and one size fits all. You know, the amount of times conversations that I have with people and they just say, you know, uh, I always ask who's your key audience, who's your target market, everyone, but it, it isn't. And you can never obtain that. And it's it what that leads to in essence is a much more sporadic approach to sales and marketing actually, you know, is that it's just diluted because you're just trying to serve everybody. For us, it's always about being very, very strategic, and I don't use that word lightly, um, but it's about being very, very clear uh, about who your target audience is, and I mean really, really clear about it, and everything being targeted around that. Salespeople, um, again, they have got a bad reputation, and some of it's rightly so, you know? Um, it really, really is, and, and, and I think I alluded to it earlier. Sales has changed so much and people haven't really kept up their skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have remained um, a one track, you know, version of a salesperson, then you will fail because 
life has changed you know in 15 years we've seen social media take you know dominate and if you look at the way that you consume information now if you were looking to buy something now compared to 15 years ago it's radically different how you would do that we're much more informed as consumers and therefore our salespeople and our marketing people have to work together to work with the customer to help them with that decision making and um, you know Customers are aware now that they've got multiple options. You know, it, before it, maybe it was more, much more of a local supply chain, which you know, there's another subject matter for us. But you know, you would go into, for example, a shop and buy something locally. Now we can order anything online, and we we are so much more informed. So our salespeople have got to be signposters. They've got to be solution providers. They can't be transactional in the way they approach things, and and you know, they've got they've got to constantly. Um, upskill themselves and and look at that horrible word i know but that's omni-channel approach mm -hmm. you know no longer can salespeople knock on doors or pick up the phone and gdpr changed a lot of that as well so you know the, the biggest challenges i think for salespeople and in, in, in answer to your question it's just they just try a little bit of everything and do you know what if they win something it's luck it's not right. talent right interesting Sorry, that sounds very negative doesn't no it? But not at bit... all really helpful because I think, you know, and even reflecting on myself and our own business, you can get distracted mm. quite easily. Uh, and oh, we all get, it's like a shiny new thing, isn't it? Indeed, it's like, and also opportunities yeah. just spring up sometimes, don't yeah. they? Like you say, out of good luck, and they can be really, really distracting yeah. rather than staying on point. And it's, uh, you know, it's the old rifle shot versus mm. scattergun and you arguments. Know, I, I think it's even more challenging when you just start your business as well because you are chasing the money, yeah. you know, and I think... And doing several jobs, as you mentioned I, earlier. Absolutely, and, I, and you know what? I'm not going to criticise anyone for doing that because I did that. And, you know, what I do think, and one thing that I... I learned which I'm so passionate about helping others do is you've got to be reflective when you run a business you've got to we sit down once a quarter and do a SWOT analysis and it's really it's so you learn so much and I do it with my whole team and we literally sit down and it sounds a really basic thing to do but wow you learn so much mm. and being reflective I think has allowed us and you're right I, the step back wasn't the right terminology it allowed us to to, to reposition ourselves mm -hmm. But being reflective in terms of the way that you, you you engage and who you engage with is really important. I, I had a training session the other day with a with a company. I said, talk me through your top customers. And we talked to one of the customers and I was like, okay, so and we really talked into quite a lot of details. And it's like, so what margin do you make? One percent. So why are they your top customer? Or you know, they're a big name in the in the market. Well, that doesn't make them your top customer just because you've always had them by having them now it's preventing you from getting a much larger margin from other people mm. and you know engaging in that way so i think our perception of of what top customers are and and, and what are not is, is is changing um but i think sales is not about buying you know thousands of lines of data and sending mass just, email marketing yeah, yeah. It's it's about in in our field anyway. It's about a much more strategic kind of less is more approach. And one of the other things that you mentioned, uh, well, actually, has been a big feature of your own business. You talked about productizing yeah. the service and ultimately yourself and your expertise. Is there a difference in selling a product versus a service? There is. Um, there is, and we only we we only do it on a on a on a B two B basis from a service perspective. We don't we don't necessarily deal with products. 
Now, there is a difference. And I think that, you know, it depends on what the service is. Sorry, it depends what the product is. Um, But I do believe that there is a difference in terms of the way that you engage. And also it totally depends on the sector. So whether you're selling, you know, a, a cup or, you know, a high value piece of machinery, then there is a difference in terms of who you engage with and why you engage with them um, and the way that you engage with them. Um, but again, I, I think that's changing as well. Um, I think the, the world of buyers is also changing. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens in the next 10 years with that whole kind of, yeah, that, that whole kind of buyers, that whole sellers, all of that, I think there's going to be some changes. Well, that was one of my uh, questions. I'd love to hear um, your predictions about, let's just take the next five years. I mean, we've seen profound changes in the way just as human beings we live, we think, and so on and so forth so over the course of the last kind of three years events. And um, naturally, as individuals and as society changes, its values, it's the way yeah. it, it operates, that plays into how we, how we think, how we interact, how we buy things. So if you project that forward over the next kind of five years, even in today's wonderful world of uncertainty, what do you think are going to be the big differences from a salesperson's perspective? You're going to quote me on this, are you, in a few weeks? Well, you're time. on a podcast, know, so yeah, it's right. on record. Talk about the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Mystic Meg. Um, so I'll look into my crystal ball. Um, I, I believe, as I say, the last few years we've seen the, probably the biggest significant from a significant change in the sales landscape anyway. And if you look at the pandemic and how that shifted the way we engage with people, um, we're only, you know, we're not long out of that. And I don't think that's got back to a balance. I think we're still kind of go, oh, is it online? Is it face to face? People are still looking at the savings that they made from traveling and exhibitions and by doing these things online. So and and whether actually they've lost business from it. So I think, you know, we are going to see a shift back to a little bit more online. um, And not everyone has the toolkit to, 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 to deal with that. And for me, uh, very much around, um, I want to see, and I think we will see a higher level of expectation when it comes to accreditation uh, and industry standard for salespeople. Um, That's what I'm absolutely championing for. and And I do believe that's really important. You know, there should be an industry standard. There should be a qualification that every single salespeople should look to achieve. Um, and, you know, that covers a, a wide range of things. Um, I also, you know, believe that we, when we think about sales, I think our appreciation of the word has to change. Um, it's still, you know, a little bit of a, of a dirty word to some, but it's such an important aspect. I think if we get that accreditation, if we get that professional, in, you know, that alignment um, from a, a professional perspective, the alignment with marketing will increase. So I can see sales and marketing really not necessarily, you know, becoming one, but certainly joining forces and working together much more holistically. I think at the moment they they can work very independently and that can be quite destructive actually for a brand and a business. The two of them have to work cohesively together. And then thirdly, I think um, we when we think about sales, we think about new business development and um, that's great, but it costs an awful lot more to acquire a new customer than it does to retain an existing one. And therefore, I think when we think about growing our businesses and we think about, you know, looking at the best thing, we, we don't really 
we don't really explore our the existing customer book that we have and you know the opportunity to work closer with our existing customers to find out what how we could innovate what other products or service we could offer as a business to them because they're going to know um, why they come to us we, we don't work with our existing customers enough and you know customer lifetime value is something that I talk about you know on a frequent basis with with a lot of our clients and this is not a bad thing. This is not a you know a negative thing. It's not about squeezing every penny out of your existing customers. Absolutely not. It's about servicing them. It's about providing them with the best possible opportunities. So, I think we don't. You know, the third thing, as I say, is I think we we as businesses, you know, will start to recognise the power of our existing customers and utilise that for them and for us better. Interesting, and I I think that. Um... That whole notion that, uh, you know, a few years ago, sales felt quite transactional. Mm. It was kind of go in, sell something, come back out. Whereas that movement to perhaps what I would describe as that relational approach and that um, whether you're collaborating on innovation or you're trying to build an understanding of somebody's business so you can, you know, position your product or service more effectively, or indeed deciding that it's not right for you. There's mm. much more of that starting to emerge now. There is. That uh, it's about a relationship and a long-term relationship rather than just a transaction. And therefore, I think it's uh, it's interesting to see the integrity mm. that's naturally emerging uh, in the sales environment out of that rather than the ability to just run in, yeah. sell something and run back out. And it doesn't really quite matter how you do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, all these things can only be kind of forces for good in, in the industry and in the sector. Um, in terms of uh, bringing it right back round then to you, to Jessica, mm-hmm. um, who back in 2015 set up the business Just Williams, yeah. what what is it that you really, um, as a leader now, you know, and you, you've, you've done this for, for quite a few years uh, and built a successful business, which bit of it in the business really floats your boat and what are you going to do next? You know, what what are the next few years look like for, for Jessica? Oh, gosh, wow, where to start? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it got eight years. Ah, where does time go? Honestly, it's terrifying, isn't it? Um, I, I, setting up the Sales Academy was really our, you know, we, we, we understood from day one, as I say, my, my ambition was very much to professionalise the sales industry. And we, you know, that's what I was really passionate about doing, but we didn't really have a, a vessel for want of a better word to do that with which is why the sales academy set up i mean we've trained about three and a half thousand people now wow. so and i set that up as a separate business back in god no sorry it wasn't 2021 it was 2020 honestly time flies when you're having fun no it was 2021 no it was 2021 it was definitely 2021 sorry um and you know i'm i set that up with my who uh, my business partner who was my non-exec actually he's got a SaaS business in, and therefore he understands the tech side of it far better than me but we really want to grow that. That's it. We're on a five-year plan to really grow that and to really kind of create this industry standard. That's what I'm really passionate mm-hmm. about from a sales perspective. Um, and also just changing the perception of sales. You know, I've always fought quite hard about the word sales. You know, I've had lots of marketing agencies come in and say, you know, you really should call yourself a customer service business or, you know, why don't you why don't you call yourself like, you know, something else? I'm like, because it's what I do. Sales is what, you know, you can you can put any label on it you want. You know, you can call yourself a business development manager. You can call yourself a relationship manager. You can call yourself a chief fun officer, which apparently is a role that I saw wow. somebody in. Um, that is in essence I feel like sales. I need that role but I totally hey. need that like my life chief and officer um, and you know but, but 
we're all in sales. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you, what you label it at, we're in sales. And as I say, I, so I've always been quite passionate about that and therefore creating that industry standard and kind of championing the fact that it's a really fundamental kind of aspect is, 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 is what I'm keen to do. Just Williams um, is eight years old and, you know, we're growing it and evolving it now. And we brought in marketing to the fold about two years ago and we're really growing the business now, which is exciting. We're going for investment uh, to really kind of help us grow that um, and looking at, you know, the the possibility of acquiring another business at the moment, which is exciting. So watch this space. Um, but for me, it, it, it's about, um, I think, I think just taking a step back to, to what I alluded to, you know, um, with the scale of the business and then the lessons that we learn and you know it would be remiss of me not to say that the pandemic had an effect on me and the business of course it did mm-hmm. and it allowed me that time to kind of sit and go what is this all about <laughs> like mm-hmm. what 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 is this craziness that i'm involved in and that consumes every single waking moment of my life and by the way somebody said to me when i first set my business it doesn't get any easier and they were right and i'm sorry <laughs> to say that and burst that bubble but they're absolutely right you just learn to cope with it differently and i think during the time that we went through that challenging period and and the subsequent years of the pandemic I kind of realized that why why am I doing this and, and it had to be for something you know and and which is where we kind of came full circle to really understand the impact of using a business as a force for good mm-hmm. um, and we're very much on that journey and, and for me it, it's changing the perception of sales it's doing the right thing um, it's all the things that we think negatively about sales we're just trying to do the right thing and help support people so you know we do a lot in that field and and that's something that on the journey of taking the business through you know um, B Corp which we're, we're going through at the moment and, and all the lessons that come out of that and you know firsthand you you read and learn so much on that journey it's really changed me and it's changed the way that I personally live my life and my values um and that's something that I'm exploring at the moment so later on this year um I've got something personally exciting to launch which I'm uh, working on at the moment wow sounds exciting just because I've obviously got enough time you know so yeah you're kicking your heels you know not much to do yeah absolutely so um and again it is one of the things that again I've alluded to is that if I if I you know because it's it's my business and and primarily you know I might not always be there and therefore the the business has got to operate without me and I, I've got to probably you know remove myself a little bit from being the first you know the if you think of just Williams hopefully without saying egotistical you probably think of me well that's not right because I've got a full team now mm-hmm. so I've got to do you know I've got to kind of change that perception a little bit and and you know work on something more and it's all from from three years ago from you're absolutely right one of the times that was probably the hardest in my life and really tough really tough and really dark but actually the goodness come out of it Mm -hmm. and now three years later I'm kind of reflecting that and going you know I've got to you know for me it's about running um a sustainable responsible and ethical company and that for me using your business to support all the things that we do from the community is really really important and using my skill set now to help others in that is is what I'll be looking forward to doing later on this year. Crikey so another full year or even more by the sounds of things ahead of you well listen thanks ever so much for joining us today I really really value the honesty and uh, the the real clarity in terms of how you've done things, uh, the ideas, the pitfall, all enormously um, helpful. But particularly at the end there, the fact that you you know you're pushing on in a brave new world in an incredibly 
brave uh, way that clearly, you know, is heavily influenced by your own values and personality, I think is immensely exciting. So thanks, Jessica. Thank you for having me.